0: There we go. Welcome. Welcome back to my second hour on air right here on Radio Pulpit 657 AM, your daily companion. It is so awesome to be spending the evening with you. Man, oh man, how privileged am I? In fact, um, I had the awesome privilege of spending a couple of hours in your presence today as um, I stood in for uh, 21 hours from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock this afternoon. And then, of course, now 6 to seven Pulpit Sport, and then now... Filling the gap up until 8pm this evening. If you want to be part of this evening's program, please join the chat. The social media lines are open right in front of me and I can't wait for you to uh, contribute towards this evening's chat. Alright, so the WhatsApp line is 0826572729. Let me repeat that. It's 082657. Two seven, two nine, And um, yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on, come join us this evening. Um, I can see on the WhatsApp lines right now, uh, Quiz Calls is listening again, uh, Olga, uh, Delight is listening, Pietra Small is listening, Oh, straight up, near carols, hey, Ogaardie, thank you for that, you know. Yeah, please, the lines are open, and we can't wait to spend some time with you this evening. Right, I've got a guest this evening. I don't think I should call him a guest anymore because um, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's been on air a couple of times and he's a regular on Filling the Gap. And it's an absolute pleasure to welcome my brother in Christ. None other than uh, Dr. Sam Ndoga from Reaching a Generation. Good evening, Dr. Sam. How are you? Good good evening,
1: Dwayne. Good to hear your voice and all the excitement uh, that the Lord has lined us uh, up for, for this evening. Yeah, looking forward to our time together.
0: Um, i got to admit, I, um, I love being on radio, but um, more than that, I love having you on my show because when you are on my show, it's almost like I'm on only cruise mode because when you be- when you begin talking, um there's not much i can add to the wisdom that you have right now so you can take the next hour and just go for it
1: (laughs) well i can only say it's it's the wisdom from above you know we come with nothing and everything that we are and everything that we have is directly from him so all glory to him yeah amen
0: well dr sam this evening will um we'll just allow the holy spirit to take us and yes. we'll, we'll just, because obviously, myself and you, we our lives are, are governed by um, the Holy Spirit, if I can put it that way. Uh, the Holy Spirit is our everything, yeah. and we want to allow the Holy Spirit this evening to, to take over this program. Yes, we will have some intervals with some music that we've got to listen to, but um, it's an interesting topic this evening. Doc, um, what, is our, what is our topic this evening?
1: Well, we're basically looking at the kingdom as an organizing principle in in god's Word. you know it's interesting that when when Jesus uh, is represented as beginning his ministry as early as matthew four uh, verse seventeen the the first recorded words of him. Uh, preaching or teaching is that statement in verse seventeen: "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near." So you would think that he would have started with uh, with something else, but those are the words that are recorded as the pronouncements as to what he was about, and you see the prominence of that theme of kingdom in most of his presentations and most of his teachings. Um and of course he as a person is really the 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 theme of the of the entire bible but this concept of kingdom is is so prominent that if we miss it, I think we would have missed what he was about.
0: Sure so so Doc, we're gonna talk about the kingdom as the key biblical concept that defines our life as stated in Revelations eleven fifteen, that states that the kingdom of earth has become the kingdom of Christ. Now, Doc, let's put that in perspective. What does that mean?
1: So, uh, the book of Revelation, if we can start there, um, and it's in the singular construct, is the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, what is this book revealing? It's revealing the ultimate winner. You know, when we look at the current context of what's happening, um, you know, there's some nations that are known to be superpowers. There are others that uh, we live in fear of if you look at what's happening in afghanistan if you look at what we rumourly know that russia has or north korea doing their nuclear tests and and whatever else that goes on you'll find that we live in a very volatile world if you don't mind now uh there are senses in which we as god's people uh, and, and really as god's people we're not a uh, a, a, an army in that same sense where we have all these weapons that can uh, destroy the the world. I mean, we do have spiritual weapons, of course. But uh, when you think about what's happening around the world, there's a sense in which you can almost feel insignificant and and powerless. And yet you start reading the book of Revelation, which is a prophetic account that ultimately Christ wins it doesn't matter who there is and how prominent they become or how much control they exert. The kingdoms of the earth will become the kingdom of Christ. Ultimate. Unchallengeable, undeniable, uh, indisputable. That's the ultimate picture. So that tells you if this is where life will finally find its terminus. We can do no better than talk about where we're going. Christ will have the title King of Kings. That means he's the winner. <laughs> and and if that's what happens, I I shouldn't waste my time thinking about the threats and situations, the volatility What's going to be happening? Well, of course, a lot of these things do inform us in terms of insights. But in context, uh, one of the things I found about us as Christians is we have reduced the kingdom concept to maybe a church concept. This is about the king of kings. It means there may be other kings. And when the Hebrew uses the superlative, king of kings, song of Cong- songs, lord, lord of lords, it means uh, there may have been others that came before him, but he is the ultimate uh, you know, person that will rule the earth. And that's what you start to, to come to an understanding of. And I think, by and large, we have missed that. Even if you look at a scripture like uh, Matthew 16, where where the church is being born, uh, you know, 13 to 20 on this rock, I'll I'll build my ecclesia. And then he says something important, so that ecclesia is the word we translate church, better translated assembly. And he says, but I will give you the keys of the kingdom. He doesn't say, I'll give you the keys of the ecclesia. No, keys of the kingdom which means the kingdom is more prominent than even our concept of of the church that's where we're going
0: sure sure all right doc so i'm going to i'm going to shoot you with some questions simply because this is a very intriguing topic and it's a topic that makes us it challenges us as christians not just to scratch the surface of the word of god but to really invest time and go discover the deep ends of Scripture. And that's what I like about spending time with you because you challenge us to take our minds there. Um, an interesting question, Doc. Maybe you can just shed some light on this, but why does Jesus begin his ministry by declaring repent for the kingdom of God is at hand?
1: So what's amazing about that statement, it's suggesting that... Um, Perhaps people were under the influence of other kings and rulerships and so forth. Because uh, if if you read the Old Testament, for example, when you start from the book of 1 Samuel, where Israel chooses a king, and that's pretty much all you're going to hear about. It's about which king ruled when and what happened under his, his rule. So The idea of a king is so prominent in your entire Old Testament. In fact, even your prophets, uh, the chunk of their time is spent in their interactions with kings than it is with just, uh, can I use the word, ordinary people? Why? Well, when you read First Kings and Second Kings, First Chronicles and Second Chronicles, and you know First and Second Samuel put together, and all those books about the the different uh, uh, prophets, is the what threads all those books together is the fortunes or misfortunes of Israel as God's people were dependent directly on the kind of king they had. So the nation was being evaluated on what the king was doing. That's why then, when Jesus comes as the Messiah, and, and, and the, the, the word Messiah is anointed one, and who was anointed in the Old Testament? Kings and prophets, and priests. And by the way, he combines all those offices into one. He is the anointed one of God who comes as a priest, he comes as a king, and, and he comes as a prophet. Uh, Deuteronomy already uh, promised that a, a prophet would come just like Moses, and he becomes that that ultimate prophet. And he, you know, in, in Exodus 19, it's been prophesied that he's going to make us into a kingdom of priests. So, this idea of a king is so prominent in the Bible that perhaps we have not really looked at its prominence from this point of view. That's why maybe when you read First and Second Kings and then you go to First and Second Chronicles, you're thinking, "But I, I heard these things before." Oh my goodness, you haven't! <laughs> this, this theme mm. of of a king is so important. So, if Israel's uh outcomes were dependent on the kind of king they had what is jesus saying well there's a new king that has come that if you repent and realign your life according to this kingdom which is now at hand which would be fulfilled at the cross where all the culmination of human history will take a completely new direction and meaning that is what he's saying acknowledge that
0: sure right doc this is a uh, this is heavy <laughs> uh, this <is>, am <laughs> am I'm, I'm trying to to as you talk I, I accumulate a bunch of questions inside me and By the time you move on to your next phrase, I've got another question and then another question. Um, And, and Doc, you know what? It's very exciting for me um, because I think this is what God intended for his children when you start spending time in depth with the word of God because you become hungry and hungry for more. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm excited about that. Doc, we're going to take a break, but before we take a break, I'm going to leave you as listeners with this question, and then dr the Sam will answer it for us when we return. The question is, what is the difference between the kingdom and the church? Mm. What is the difference between the kingdom? and the church. All right, try and sort that out in your mind when we come back. Myself and Dr. Sam will discuss this. We're going to take a short break. This is Anya. Uh, welcome back. You are tuned into Radio at 657 AM, your daily companion. So awesome uh, to be... Uh, air this evening, once again, by Dr. Sam Ndoga, uh, who, of course, is from reaching a generation and um, he's definitely reaching a generation of youngsters. He's even reaching me this evening. This is a deep topic. yo, Dr. Sam, you chose this topic well.
1: Uh, Thank you, Dwayne. It's it's a powerful concept to, to, to think about because, you see, the kingdom is about the universal rule of God. In other words, all that there is is sustained by him. So the difference to come to your question that you asked before we took a break between the the, the church and the kingdom is simply realizing number 1 the kingdom is really uh, everything that God is about is the dominion of God over the entire universe. Uh, you know, John begins his gospel account with a powerful concept in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And then he starts unfolding this history that shows you that there is nothing there is that has not been created by him, which is picked up by the you know by the apostle paul in in in, first Col- in, in Colossians chapter one, where he says that he he is the you know the, there is nothing that there is except everything that was created by by him, so we begin to see that this concept of kingdom is not limited to just some Uh, little territory Uh, in fact when Jesus teaches us to pray he say your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven now heaven is the place where the ultimate will of God is expressed everything there is in heaven is as he says what does it teach us to pray? The transference of the happenings in heaven is by divine designation to come down on earth so we experience what it is to be under God's influence without disruption. So what is what is the church? Well, the word that's used for church is ecclesia, which is a Greek word, which is an interesting word that Jesus chooses, because he could have said God's people, could have said temple, or one of those uh, familiar concepts. But he actually takes a concept that was used of the Greek Senate, what we might call today the parliament, and he says that's what he's going to build in Acts nineteen from about verse thirty-two, you will see that word being used exactly of that of that Senate or the assembly. It will be translated in Acts in Acts thirty-two or onwards. So what are we? As the church of God, we are people who have consciously subjected themselves to the rule of God. We are the ones that have repented, repent and the kingdom of God is near. And sometimes later you'll say the kingdom of God is at hand. How is the kingdom of God at hand? For those that subscribe to the rule of God by repentance and saying, I'm going to be determined not by my own devices anymore, but I'm subjecting myself to the total control of God, for me in real time, then I've subjected myself to a relationship with the king from whom I derive fortunes or misfortunes. Remember the concept of a king was about who is in charge? So you read First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, First Kings, uh, it will say either the king was good and he did what was right like his father David did, or the king was evil, he did like his uh, father Jeroboam or one of these uh, evil kings and so forth. So there was a standard of goodness, you know, in terms of great kings, and there was also a standard of evil. Now, That theme is what carries the entire Old Testament leading to the birth of Christ, who then announces himself as the Messiah, if you want. And there are so many other pointers. And what is happening there when he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of God is, is near? He's saying, now I am going to determine what happens to you. Because it's no longer dependent on the earthly kings, the different kings that came and, and went that lived either good or bad lives. I am the king that has come to determine uh, what happens to you. And you know what, what's amazing about this concept is this king will not be dethroned. The other kings came and would come and go. This king and this kingdom is here to stay. Man, just that thought of realizing the security we have in the kingdom concept. So that when I go back to that scripture where he says, I give you the keys of a kingdom. <laughs> oh, my goodness. what What is the opening for us is something that if we realize what it means there is no way we're going to look at the world the same way because this concept of the kingdom is superior to anything we've ever heard and come across. Mm, mm, and he, he's, he's, he's our king.
0: Sure, this is this is powerful. Doc, I was wondering, why does the Old Testament prophets, shed some light on that please.
1: So it's interesting. Again, it's something we 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 miss out on many times when you read uh the, the old testament. Well, let's start with Abraham. When God calls Abraham, he calls him because he even says, nations will be blessed through you. Mm. So God's agenda already from the calling of Abraham was that what he begins. In this man, who was going to become a kingdom himself or a nation himself, would then lead to every single nation on earth being blessed through him. Why? Right? Or actually through his line would come David, and through the line of David would come the Messiah. So when the old testament is talking about nations, um, you start to realize that is God's interest. He talks about individuals as much as they relate to either a nation they have been uh, uh, raised uh, to speak into or a nation they are part of. That's why the great commission is to make disciples uh, not of individuals, Dwayne is to make disciples of nations. Mm,
0: mm, mm.
1: (laughs) Meaning, when nations repent and embrace the kingdom of God, that nation has subjected itself to Christ as its king. Mm. It's no longer a nation that's being run uh, by a human being. Uh, we go back to 1 Samuel 8, uh, when Israel chooses a king. What does God say? Uh, they're not rejecting you, Samuel, they're actually rejecting me as their king. Mm. Oh, that's a very, very deep statement, right there. True. Because what, what is God reminding them? Well, they are replacing me with a human being, mm. and He even warns them this human being. Is going to tax you, he's going to do this, he's going to do that to you. He He's going to do things to you that are so hard to, to, to receive. So what did the request for a king actually do? It dethroned God as the recognized king in the nation of Israel. And these human kings took over. And you will see from that point onwards, the history of Israel uh, became sad. Uh, You you don't see improvement. Uh, You actually see Mm, mm. history really becoming worse and worse. Mm. By the time Christ comes, they don't even have a king, by the way. They are in such disarray that they are under the, the 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 Roman influence and they've been under Babylonian, they've been under Persian, uh, Greek, uh, uh, you know, the Greeks, then the Romans. Uh, Israel never quite became a nation that determined itself. Even if you look at in recent times, the 19th, forty eight determination of Israel as a nation was not really self-determination it, it was drafted by the United Nations and so forth, and we came to an understanding you know the British were over them and so forth. <laughs> They've mm. never really enjoyed an economy that you can say is is entirely what we saw in the crowning days of when God took them out of Egypt. And he led them through the wilderness and leads them into the promised land where they thrived. You will probably never see days like that until they bring in and acknowledge their true king.
0: So it puts it puts um, doc. It actually puts quite a lot in in perspective. Um, it makes it makes a lot of sense, um, and I don't think even now in in 2021 the country of israel is 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 any better off i think israel is still experiencing that i think i think kingdoms around the world uh, countries around the world are experiencing it but doc i want to ask you something and maybe i'm a bit off topic now but what 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 happens in 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 your spirit when you start seeing nations and countries right now starting to stand up for christ let me give you an example um, if you go a look at the country of uh, the Philippines, um, I don't know if you saw the recent announcement by the Philippines that uh, the world champion boxer Manny Pacquiao, who is a sold-out child of God, um, he's running for office. He's running for office. How does that tie into what you are sharing with us, with us today? Does it, does it tie in? Is it totally in opposite spectrums or, or does, it, does it take hands?
1: You know, there's a scripture that I, I, I want to use. Uh, blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. Sure. Let that be heard tonight to say that you can even have, let's say, a Christian leader in office, but the nation has not made the ultimate king, king. Mm. That is what we need to process here. So so I've said to people, yes, I'd like to see more and more sons of God getting into, into public office and so forth. But that is not necessarily a guarantee that the nation will be blessed if one man... Because nations are no longer being determined by this man. They're being <laughs> determined by the man of of, of, of Nazareth. Mm. He is the ultimate king. So, so while I applaud the fact that, yes, this man, in fact, I, I do have, Dwayne, a personal friend, Dr. Lazarus Chakwera, who is the president of Malawi right now. Mm. Does it mean that because Lazarus is now the president of Malawi that Malawi will be blessed? Well, I have to tell you this. Malawi will only be blessed if they make the Lord their king. They will not be blessed because one man or a few, for that matter, uh, acknowledge the king. Of course, they all have influence and so forth. Um, You know, Zambia did even one better. They declared themselves uh, a a Christian uh, nation. Uh, Again, it was a valid declaration. They still see themselves as such. But until that entire nation aligns itself and subscribes to God as their king, it's only at that point that they will enjoy the blessings of that king that they've chosen for themselves.
0: Sure. Yeah, we'll need we'll need another twenty sessions just to wrap our heads around these <laughs> concepts. Um, um, I'm going to have a system overload. Doc, let's take a short break. <laughs> let's take a short break. Before we go on the break, I'm going to leave you, as our listeners, with this question. And Dr. Sam will answer this question for us right after the break. The question is How does this theme shape our positions as believers today? Let your head run with that. Myself and Dr. Sam will be back right after this. Right, you are tuned in to Filling the Gap on Radio Pulpit 657 AM with me, Dwayne von Rensburg, and of course, Dr. Sam Ndoga. A very interesting discussion point this evening, and um, if you're tuned in a bit late, please, I uh, really want to invite you to go to our website, www.radiopulpit.co.za. Go look for the program entitled Filling the Gap. And uh, tomorrow around about noon, 12-ish, the podcast will be available of this program. You can also tune in for the rebroadcast taking place. Go check out on our website the rescheduling dates. Of course, Saturday mornings from 7 to 8 on the morning drive. This program will also be rebroadcasted then. We are uh, talking to Reaching a Generation... um, Big big boss, can I say it's the big boss? Yes, Dr. Sam, Dogger, and uh, Doc, we're going to leave this evening with a very important question, and the question is, how does this theme shape our position as believers today?
1: You know, uh, when you think about desiring the kingdom, you are ultimately subjecting yourself to the rule of god so let's go back to the lord's prayer which is uh you know a a template if you like a sample an idea of of how we pray you know and and when, when jesus begins that prayer he begins by acknowledging our father in heaven now, fatherhood is this paternity of God, without which we actually are, in a sense, illegitimate. Uh, and we find our identity in Him. When we become children of God, we are acknowledging the the fatherhood of, of of God. So, our Father in heaven. Heaven is the place where God rules, as I said earlier on, where the The full expression of who God is, is experienced um, without disruption. And so when we even talk about heaven or going to heaven, we are saying uh, we're going to go to that place to be with God where we will experience all of this uh, great, The Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The greatness of the is is you know of God, which which tells you that's really what everything you know we see is about refre- reflecting that greatness of this God that that we worship. And then the next line, Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. That should almost make us stop and say. Why did Christ teach us to pray the expression and realization of the kingdom of God? Well, there are only two ways to live. Either we crown ourselves king and try to determine how we do life, and most of us will uh, acknowledge the uh, fact that we have failed dismally and our before Christ days, uh, ample testimony to the fact that life was not doable. But even in days after Christ, sometimes we become rebellious. We try to do life our own way to the same effect. We fall flat on our faces in embarrassment and and stuff like that. Why? Well, you can't run this life uh, without the one who determines what ought to be to be happening. So when we are saying the kingdom of God comes, we are surrendering ourselves. It's like a prisoner of, of, of war. A prisoner of war yields his uh, will to someone else's command. When you're a prisoner of war, you almost have no rights, you can't decide when you wake up or when you sleep or when you go to work, everything about you is entirely scheduled. And I'm just using that uh, bad example maybe to highlight the good side and better side of yielding your will to God because God is not some evil master um, of war who has won uh, and now he's... uh, driving you insane with this impossible uh, oppressive agenda actually he says i have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly what is the kingdom this kingdom is about experiencing life in this side of eternity that will have no regrets But that life continues on the other side of eternity because, remember, we started by saying the kingdoms of this earth will become the kingdoms of Christ. And Christ says we shall reign with him. Oh, my goodness. Exodus 19 says he wanted to make us into a kingdom of priests, those that draw near to God. That's what a priest does. That's what a priest is all about. So we are being built to be those that will draw near to to God who will participate in the kingdom. When Christ comes, he says we will join up with him in the heavens and then we shall reign with him forever, forever. What does this mean for a believer? It basically means this is a practice run (laughs) of living a life that's totally, totally subjected Mm. to Christ. I have yet to come across a person who has truly come to live and know Christ as king, and then they regret it.
0: Mm.
1: I have yet to come across a person who truly, truly has come to know Christ. And they come, I mean, I've been on people's deathbeds a few times, you know, in those final moments. And I've seen two experiences. People who don't know Christ, they seem to have unfinished business. And usually they don't die peacefully, quietly. It's like there are things they want to say or things they want to do. They've just run out of uh, run out of time. Now, I've watched people who have known Christ and they come to that moment; it's like they want to go. <laughs> they are done. Mm. It's like they're seeing something else that's bigger and more surpassing than what this life is 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 all about. I mean, mm-hmm. I read Second uh, Timothy uh, four six to eight when the Apostle Paul says, "You know what? I, I'm just I'm just ready like a drink offering." Now, a drink offering was one of those offerings that was wholly consumed, it was It was totally emptied. He's saying, i got nothing left in me. I, I don't need to be here anymore. In fact, I, I've, I've fought a good fast, and I've run the race, I've finished the course, I'm done. I mean, you, you, you start realizing he, he didn't just live life anyhow. He lived his life under the guidance of the king, and the king eventually says, you know what? all well done good and faithful servant it's time for you to come and there's fulfillment there are no regrets Paul is not standing there still sitting there on his deathbed and saying oh do this for me do that thing he's saying I'm done mm. I'm done sure. why he lived under the king
0: oh. sure. Doc we will need another evening me and you to take this further we can't just leave it yeah. I've got so much questions.
1: <laughs> oh, man, that, that is fascinating. But you, you, you begin to see why we say this is one of the key organizing themes of our entire Bible. Absolutely. Because this determines who we are and what we are about, you know, ultimately. So it's an amazing, amazing theme to really be thinking about and processing. Yeah, praise the Lord.
0: Alright, so Doc, our listeners are tuned in tonight and some of them would like to know more. They want to get in contact with you. How do they do that?
1: So I have a Facebook page. Um, you know, just use my name, Sam Ndoga, and uh, that's the best way to, to get hold of me. I tend to, to travel and do a lot of things like that. but. There I seem to, to uh, be able to have a captive audience and we can interact, we can message, we can, we can do personalized exchanges there. I think it's the, it's the best place for us to, to, to connect if that's okay with everybody, yeah.
0: And if you want more details about Dr. Sam, please send me a mail, dwayne at and I'll make sure to hook you up with Dr. Sam. We still have a couple of sessions left for 2021. Excited, we've got a show in October, and we've got another one in November. And then, of course, you can tune in December for the rebroadcasts of all of our shows very excited about that. Doc, once again, like always, thank you very much for your wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that you pass on to us. You're an absolutely pleasure, and I can't wait to spend time with you again.
1: I was also big with you, Dwayne, once again. Thank you.
0: Like always. Guys, that's the end of our evening. Um, on behalf of me and Dr. Sam, we love you with the love of the Lord, and if we don't see you again, may we see each other um, at the pearly gates in heaven... Because soon and very soon we will be seeing our king. So until next time, same time, same place, next week. <laughs> bye bye, guys. This is.